So this morning, we, we want to conclude what we've done over the last, I think, probably six weeks. This is our seventh week. We're going to conclude on this series called A Life Worth Living, that we found out that there is something more worth living than just living for ourselves. Amen? And, and that uh, throughout this period, I hope that you have been challenged and, and um, encouraged to understand that a life worth living is a life following exactly closely the life that Christ has lived. And, and we particularly looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where it talks about these words, a pure, a sincere devotion. That we don't want to turn to a different gospel, we don't want to turn to a different Jesus, or to a different spirit. We want to be focused on Him. We want to, with a, an absolute love for Him, devote ourselves to Him, live in the fear of the Lord, as Clive spoke last week, and give all that we have to Him. And there's a beautiful verse in the Bible where Paul actually kind of summarizes this. He has a couple of these places where he does this, where he just summarizes our, our purpose for living. And that he says a life worth living is actually starting at the point of death. That we start being alive when we die. It's kind of like so weird, isn't it? And I'm not talking about a physical death, which actually also leads to the highest form of life, which is, high, which is life with Christ in heaven. But our lives here on earth is, is determined by how dead we are to ourselves. So Paul says this in Philippians 1 verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he says to die is more important, first of all, than trying to stay alive. The level to which you are prepared to die will determine the level to which you are alive. Amen? So that is a life worth living. There's nothing better than to say, I don't want my own things. I want His. But we don't celebrate in this world. Everybody's saying, your way. Do what you feel is right. If it's good for you, then it's good. If you feel good about it, then go for it. <laughs> it's like... That's the motto of the world. And, and folks, we cannot allow that to be brought into our walk with Christ. Our walk with Christ is what is good for Him is good for me. Not what is good for me. Because what is good for you and me is so often determined by my needs and what I prefer. Like Irene spoke earlier on about forgiveness. That's not choosing the easy way. To go the route of forgiveness. It's not, if it doesn't feel good to you to forgive, then just don't forgive. Because how many times does it feel good to forgive? In any case, come on. Almost never. <laughs> you never feel like, man, I felt good about just humbling myself and surrendering and, and sacrificing and saying, sure, I'm sorry, and please forgive me for that attitude. Oh, it doesn't feel good. It's very humbling. But that's why we've got to come alive by dying. And the shocking reality of verses like this, where Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, is that it will always, listen to this, it will always include people. It will never exclude people. 
When you say, I'll rather die so that Christ can live in me, it's easy to say that just to him and say, Jesus, just you and I, hey? <laughs> We're going to do this thing together. I'll die and you live in me, but just don't include people. Just don't, don't, don't bring me into other people's lives. Don't bring them into my life. Let's just do this Lone Ranger thing. Just you and I, we worship and we just read and you just speak. And please keep people away from me because it's so much easier to be dead and alive unto you when there's nobody else around. No, no, no. The challenge comes <laughs> when people are around. And, and, and so I believe that when Paul speaks to us about a life worth living, that it will always Always include people. He will always be challenged by people. People will always do things that you don't like. Hmm? Jesus also emphasized this, by the way. Not only Paul. He says, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And to give my life as a ransom, as a rescue or a release for many. So Jesus is saying, the way that I've decided to live is to die. And we know that he physically died, but also die to himself and say, I do not want you to serve me, which I actually have all the right to do. <laughs> I'm king. I'm Jesus. I'm God. By the way, hello. You know? No, he says, I've chosen to serve you and to give my life as a ransom for you. So now when we say, I want to be dead and alive unto Christ, I'm like, just don't include people in that, God. Don't use people to force me towards such a place. Just don't let people do things to me that are uncomfortable for me, that I have to grow and, and die. Just you and I. Just worship music that I can turn off and on whenever I want to, Elsa. Because when it gets too much, I'm like, okay, I've had enough of that. So others may live is the title of this morning's message. So others may live. And so I want to conclude this series by looking at just some simple examples of what life worth living could look like. So others may live. Could make better sense in better English, so that others may live could also be said. But I want to take you to Second Thessalonians. Would you go there with me, please? I want to talk about the reality of what it means to have the sincere and pure devotion to Christ and what it actually then at the end of the day means towards others. Because they're like, I'm devoted to Jesus. I love him with all my life. And it includes people that God will use to bring along my path so that he could teach me things through their lives. And that's why I believe in community. I don't believe that you can grow with outside of community. I don't think we can grow on our own. I don't think we can get to know Christ as much as we can outside of community. I believe community is made to challenge us, but also to, 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 to direct us, to, to teach us so that we can teach one another, so we can learn from each other. And therefore, when you talk about these things, about dying to Christ and, and living for Him and having this pure and sincere devotion unto Christ, we do it in community. Amen? We need each other in that regard. 
So 2 Thessalonians says the following. Verse of chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. We're going to start right there. Just those three names. There's a preach in that. <laughs> you know why? Paul, Paul, we know about. Silvanus is, is often referred to as Silas. And Timothy. So these three men, of which we know mostly Paul. Paul wrote the letters. But this is what Paul does. In writing letters, he includes others. How's that? I mean, just something simple, eh? Just two more names added. And he often does that as he, as he introduces these letters. And Paul was the main guy. <laughs> but in his heart, in his mind, he wasn't the main guy. And I think that's the challenge for us, is that when we, when we present ourselves to God, and, and when we... Ask God for things, and when we talk to God, it's just so often, Bessie, full stop. I love the Paul comma thing. <laughs> that it's not just Paul. It's more. It's others. And so in our lives, we are encouraged to never put ourselves above anybody else. Paul does not do that. You know how many times Paul uses other names? You go read the end of Romans. By the way, do yourself a Saturday afternoon favor. Go read chapter 16 of Romans. It is 16, the last one, hey? No, 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 no. 16? Thanks. Um, so go read the last chapter of Romans and just go see how many names. I think there are like 31 different other names there. <laughs> it's amazing. You can, there's, there's so much to learn from just in that last chapter because he uses the names of other people. He acknowledges them. He regards them highly. He values them. And so for us, we may play secondary roles in the setup that we're in. But whether it's primary or secondary, that doesn't determine your value or your identity. Each one of you are important. And I want to value you this morning. It's great to have home. It's great to come and just be amongst you. You know, I, I mean, I just, uh, this, this trip to the Czech Republic was amazing. It was beautiful. I mean, I cried when I arrived. I cried when I left. And I cry when I come back. And I'm just so thankful for my home. Thankful for my family. Thankful for Samin that traveled without her. It's just great to, to be back. Is that good? Hey, Tammy, thank you. <laughs> it's just a little private joke here. <laughs> but I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for who you are whether you have a role in terms of just functionality that's not what determines who you are you are incredibly important and you're fulfilling something before God who worshippers your saints and don't ever look at yourself and say well I don't know if I really am. And that's I appreciate what you said earlier on Irene about that. I'm not the man of God of this church. We're all men and women, saints. I'm not more important than any one of you. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be amongst you. But each one of you carry incredible value. I want to acknowledge you and appreciate you. And there's this beautiful story in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, that I, I want to refer you to it. I want you to go read it. But listen to the story. David is out with his men 
And so he gets involved in some battles. He comes back to the city that he's from called Ziklach. And as he returns there, he sees that the enemy, Amalekites, have come. They've, they've, they've taken all the children and the wives of the men that have been fighting. They've taken them away into captivity. So the men are completely up, up, you know, up in arms about this. They're upset with David. They actually speak of stoning him. David is in distress. But then David cries out to the Lord and he says, God, what do you want me to do? And it says the Lord, he strengthened himself in the Lord. It's a beautiful value, by the way. Anyway, so the long of the thought is, then David says, God, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to pursue these guys and go and do what we need to do? God says, go and pursue them. So they go and they, they go after these men and they sort them out and they, and they get their wives back, everything back, the children, all everything. But along the way, of the 600 men, 200 of them are weary and they get tired and they remain behind wherever that was. So they go and they get everything sorted and, and as they return, they bring the spoils with them and they now meet up with these guys that were tired and David starts handing out, ah, and the other, it says the wicked and, and um, probably jealous men amongst them. I want to read to you that, that particular word. It says the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except their wives and their children. So like these guys had nothing to do what we have just conquered. We're not going to give them any of the spoil that we managed to get back. But listen to what David says in 1 Samuel 30 verse 24. It says, for David says, you shall not do so, my brothers, verse 23, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? Then he says this. For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall all share alike. So whether you went into the battle or you stayed with the baggage, you all get equal from what we got. There's not one more important than the other. The one did not do a, an inferior job and the other one did the superior and therefore this one can get more and that one can get less. In actual fact, then when David got back, he started handing out to some of the other people and the other nations and he just enjoyed the spoil. So the point is this, that Paul, Sylvanus and Timothy, he recognizes these men. He says, I may be the one that's up front and I may be the one that's writing the letters and I may be the one that's, you know, in, directly involved, but I cannot do it without these guys. And I recognize them. And in front of you, I recognize all of you. Because <laughs> each one of you are important. You're valuable to God. And, and what God has called us to do in this city is not going to be through this side of the pulpit. We always say it's on that side of the pulpit that God will accomplish His purposes in Bulawayo and beyond. And so this is so important. So we go back to Thessalonians as we just quickly touch base here in 1 Samuel. You all with me still? Please stay with me. And by the way, good to bring your Bibles, good to make notes, good to keep um, focused on where we are. It says, 
Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, it's such good things to, to bless one another. Hey, grace to you. Say good things to each other, would you? Amen? Just keep on saying good things to one another. We live in a world and in a society where we're so sharp with the tongue. And so often the words that we say to one another can cut deep. And sometimes we, we don't mean it maliciously, but it can be received. And, and sometimes you don't know what your words have done. And the person walks around with, with a deep, deep thing. And don't be oversensitive also, by the way. But, but watch your words, would you? Let's say these words to one another. I'm not saying that you grace, peace, whatever the other word is, to you. No, no, I just mean it. Just say graceful words. Just say peaceful words. Don't just, oh, have you heard? Just be real and be godly. Verse 3, it says the following. We ought always to give thanks to God for you. Comma. <laughs> Stop there. He's talking about Christians, believers in the church in Thessalonica. He says we ought to always Give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. He does not only recognize the individuals, he's saying Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, but he also says, you know what? It is so good for me to be thankful to God for you because that's the right thing to do. <laughs> Every person that God may put along your path and my path, there's a reason in that. And sometimes we fight that, we resist it, we, we despise it. But why God this person? Yeah, Paul says, I thank my God, it's the right thing to do for every one of you. It's sometimes when thankfulness is a bit, you know, absent, isn't it? When we're thankful for the people that God, remember why when God says, when Paul says, um, you know, I'll die to live for Christ, it'll involve people and God helps you sometimes to die by putting some people around in your life that helps you to die. Huh? Amen? There are some people in your life, in my life, that, man, sheesh. I wish it was just Jesus and I. You know? But he, he puts these people around us. And, and a question I want to ask myself is, when last have I thanked God for the people? I'm like, I thank God for Sumin. Just, I just really mean it. So thankful to be married to her. And I thank God for my children. Sometimes I wonder if I want to carry on thanking. <laughs> and then I thank God for KCC. Oh my goodness. They're amazing. And then like, okay, can I stop there now, Jesus? Is that okay? <laughs> no, there's, there's more. So I want to ask you, there are some people in your life and in my life that we find it difficult to thank God for. Part of your growth to live a life worth living is to say, God, I'm thankful for those. I want to live so others may live. I want to be thankful for them. <laughs> Paul says it's the right thing to do. <laughs> so I was on my, on my journey. I was like, God, there's some people in my life that I really find it difficult to love. How do I, how do I manage this? I really was talking to God about this, eh? 
and, and maybe it was Czech people, all right? So none of you were involved in that thought because I was in the Czech Republic. But anyway, so I was saying, God, how would it be possible to love those and be thankful for the people that you've put into my life that it's not always so easy to love? So God just said this to me. It's just profound. I'm like, he just dropped this in my spirit. He says, just, just ask me how much do I value them? I'm like, oh, oh. oh. Can we just go back again? Just, is there not another way? Because the moment I start asking you how much do you value them, you're going to blow my world apart because you value them so much. And I'm going to realize that I don't. And I'm going to have to then die. It's like, again, Jesus, why people? Why do we have to have people in our lives? It's like so that you can die, my son, and become more like me. Like, okay, I realize that I, sometimes I shouldn't ask these questions, but I know that it's necessary because I need to change. And so that ruined me because I realized that I have no excuse not to love or appreciate anyone. Just simply like that. Because God does, and therefore I have no right not to. And so this is where a life worth living starts looking, well, how what it looks like, what it should look like, rather where we become appreciative of the people God puts into our lives and we allow Him to change us as we encounter those that we may not always like so much. And I wrote this down. I believe a life worth living is not one where I feel better about myself. But a life worth living is where I treat others so that they can feel better about themselves. John, I can't do that on my own. I just can't. So I've got to constantly come to the place where I allow God to speak into my heart about how much He loves. I need to, I need to be exposed to His love. I need to be under this, this fountain of love that pours into my heart so that I can also appreciate how much He values me, but that through that I can see how much He values others so that when I have encounters with people, I can just try to be this, to do the same. I just try and say, God, it's not about me feeling better about myself. It's about actually treating others so that they can feel better about themselves and be secure in you. And for that, I need God. It is so that, it's not so that I can just live. It's so others may live. And I realize that that is the, the core of our existence. I want to get to know God. I want to experience as much of Him as possible so others may live. Because ultimately, when I get to know Him, I come alive, for sure. But I come alive so others may live. Paul carries on in this portion in Second Thessalonians. He says in verse 3, he says, this is what we ought to do. I want to give thanks to you as is right because, he says, your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. He says, guys, I can see this is happening. This excites me so much about you. The fact that your faith is growing abundantly, 
and verse 3b. And then in verse 3c, it says, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. I love that, he says. And then in verse 4, he says, therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. He says, I'm excited to see you grow. And when you grow, it says it makes me feel good. <laughs> That's an amazing cue there, eh? Wow. You'd have no idea where that's coming from. I don't know either. Oh, it's a cell phone. <laughs> you guys, you got us wondering there, bro. It's like, you should have seen the guys at the sound desk. You're like, it's not me, it's not me. <laughs> uh, we just wanted to, it's like a thing between Yukai and I. We just arranged to keep you guys on the toes. Yeah. Back. It's worked, eh, Yukai? Well done, buddy. <laughs> Now, this is the amazing thing about Paul and these Christians is that surely it was necessary for Paul to know them close enough to be able to notice these things, don't you think? Huh? So it challenges us now. So we've got to get to know each other closer so that I can see your faith grow. I can see your love for the people around you grow. I can see your steadfastness and faith in all persecutions and afflictions. So we've got to come closer to one another so that you may live. And so this distanced Christianity thing is, is not biblical. Where we just kind of know each other from a distance, even in this hall. We just kind of know about you. Oh, I know that face. Why don't you go and just introduce yourself to that face for a change so that that person may live and not just you. So I come to meetings so that I may live. See, I can't wait for Sunday because I've got to live, you know. I've got to come alive. I've got to grow. It's great. But ultimately, it's so others may live. And so Paul is... Referring to something that does not come via messages from others only. It comes from personal experience. Because your faith is growing abundantly. The love that you have for one another is increasing. Now I want to encourage us as a church. We've got to move closer to notice more. The unfortunate thing is, Sometimes we're so distant from each other that we notice certain things from this distance and all we can notice are the things that are wrong. And we keep going further apart because those things I don't like. And so it just forces me further and further away from people. Eventually, we're just living this, this distant life. We can put our chairs in a 100 square meter space and, and we'll be happy because if I love the distance. There's no distance in the Bible. There's closeness. So the closer we get, the more we can get to know more about God even and more about your needs so that you may live. Maybe I can just in some way contribute and maybe you can see where I am and maybe you can correct me and, and help me and, and we can together grow. That's a life worth living. We, we, we've got to work hard 
We've come out of COVID in a sense. One of the best things of the Czech Republic was no moss. No way. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I just walked out of the airport and I'm like, I can see their faces. Look at them. They're human beings. And so there's no requirement of that at all. And, and what we are doing as a result of coming out of COVID is we still, we're working hard. And I'm asking you, let's, let's, let's work harder to come closer. And I'm not saying, you know, I understand that, you know, we've still got masks around here and you've got to, whatever, whatever, and the sickness and whatever else. I'm saying, talking about getting to know each other and coming into meaningful relationships with one another. We don't push hard for that. That's when we are able to impart something, possibly, because we learn more about each other. When last have you come that close to somebody else that you actually are learning something about them? More than just their work that they do, where they live, their family, those basics. Paul is not referring to the basics here. I mean, to know something, something about someone's faith takes time. But it's a deliberate effort. To know whether someone is loving others intently. Gee, that's good observation, but it's closeness. Come on. So, way to go with starting with names. But please don't stop there. It can never be enough. And we're going to challenge one another towards the, the reality of what it means to be believers together in the kingdom of God. I love your response. You're so excited about it. You can see it on your faces. All right? Then finally, I want to take you just to 1 Thessalonians, where, where Paul just makes these huge statements. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6. I'm going to just read to you these things and, and we're going to close here. From verse 6, Paul is saying, he's, he's, he's heard about them through Timothy's encouraging report to him. And he says, but now that Timothy has come, up, come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. How's that? We celebrate the, the good news of your faith and love. We need to celebrate the good news of each other. We need to get close enough to be able to hear. Yeah. Sometimes it comes to the report of somebody else like Timothy. Have you heard what's happening with these people? Have you heard what, you know, I'll celebrate that. What a wonderful things. These are the things I believe that we have to have in our hearts for one another. And that we need to celebrate the good news of faith and love. In the hearts of people. He says in verse 6b, he says, I long to see you. You long to see us, we long to see you. How's that? <laughs> we need to have that amongst each other. I long to see you. Really, it's great to be with you again this morning. But we need to live with this constant heart of saying, you guys are important. We long to see one another. We don't just come to a gathering on a Sunday. We come to be together with people. And we want to extend that beyond just Sundays, obviously. But we want to celebrate you. As we celebrate Christ, we want to celebrate one another. Amen? Paul carries on. He says, by the way, for this reason, verse 7, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. <laughs> I've been comforted about you because of your faith. So we can comfort one another. 
But again, folks, that's not just, hi, walking past. It's a much deeper thing where we allow people close and we discipline ourselves to go closer. And for some of us, it's quite intimidating to allow people close. But you know what? It's what I said in the beginning. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The practical reality of that is found in how I relate to others. And so this is it. You're stuck with me. We're stuck with one another. And there are people out there that want to be stuck to this. And we need to reach out to them. We need to get closer to them. But let's try at least here to come closer. He carries on. He says this amazing statement. I love this. He says, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. He says, I'm alive and you're alive. He says, actually, I'm alive so that you may be alive. And you're alive so that I may be alive. And so our lives are so connected to one another that a life worth living involves you and others, not just you. We cannot just live for me, myself, and I, the three most important people in your life. Mm? You've got to live beyond yourself. Verse 9 says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. How much joy do you have in your heart when you think of somebody else? <laughs> don't say, don't speak up now. Just If you have a mic, a, mute, a mic, a mask, maybe speak up and nobody will hear you. But we need to have an appreciation and a joy in our heart for one another. And then it says, we pray that we will Verse 10, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. He says, I long just to be with you. I see you face to face. This, this WhatsApp video is not even closely enough. I want to see you face to face. I'm thankful to God. I have family literally all over the world and, and it's great to see them on video, but there's nothing better than the face to face. So why don't you, even if it's behind a mask, for as long as that silly thing is still around, but why don't you try to get more into a face-to-face -face moment with people, okay? And if you need help with that, practically, where and what, please ask us. And then he closes in verse, or for me, it's in verse 11 to 13, he says these things, No, my God and Father himself, and our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. It's a beautiful prayer to pray. I want to ask you to pray that. Say, God, please direct my way towards others within King City and even beyond. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. This is what we ought to long for one another. And so I want to say to you, as you grow in these things, these are kind of like pointers towards a satisfied life 
is if we live like that. I want to see others so others may live. Brings greater satisfaction in life. Our lives together as a church should be to look out for these things in our relationships with one another. I think it's a great exercise to go through those seven verses and say, God, I want this to be real in my life for the benefit of others. So others may live. We are alive. We die to ourselves so that we can live in Christ so others may live. Father, this morning, I thank you that we can pray that our lives will not be about ourselves. And forgive me, it so often happens that it is about me. Jesus, I thank you that you've called us to be your bride for your benefit. We want to live for your benefit. And then, at the same time, you, you call on us to also live for the benefit of others. It's so, so big, Lord. This morning, I pray that you will help us. First of all, forgive, Lord God. Forgive us for where we so often live for our own benefit. What is good for me? This is who I am. This is how I am. This is what you've just got to accept about me. Father, I pray that you will help us to, to grow beyond our own ways and our own selfishness and our own set ways. And that we will see change come to us so that we can, what God, impart something of value to others. For now, Lord God, we want to say with Paul, now I live if you stand fast in the Lord. I pray that our aim will be to help one another. That we will live with a heart that says, so others may live. That's a life worth living. That's the greatest thrill there could be, is to live our lives so that you will be glorified and others may live within the beauty of who you are as they see it in our lives towards them. Father, I pray that you will give us incredible grace to be able to be that to one another and to those that are far from you, Lord God. So many people in our world that are far from you. Help us to, Lord, live lives that draw people closer to you. Trust you for that in Jesus' name. Just before we just close and go, I want to keep, ask you to keep your eyes closed. So it's just a moment where we want to allow Holy Spirit to just imprint this into our spirits, what we've been speaking about. So why don't you allow Him? You allow Him to speak into your heart. Maybe there's some things that, that God stirred in you.
his words from Paul's pen, as it were. Just are penetrating your spirit right now. Holy Spirit is, is challenging us on certain things. I want to ask you just in your own heart to respond to God. And allow Him to do a work. To do a work. And even if this is just the start where you say, Father, I, I present myself to you right now. There's certain things, Lord God, I know that you want me to address. And I pray that my heart will be open to not just at this moment, but in the days ahead to allow you to work in me so others may live. God, I trust for that. Pray for us as a church, Lord God, that we will not just gather, but that we will scatter so others may live. That in our gathering, we will create moments. We will be there so others may live. But Lord, in our scattering from here onward, until we meet again, that we will live with such a heart that others may live through what we can give them. I trust for that. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.